welcome back to the square. Uh, this week, Re is in Florida. Uh, I guess hanging out with Ron DeSantis. Um, <laughs> I, I know he, he met him at Sinatra's when Ron DeSantis was up <laughs> yeah, here at his yeah, fundraiser. Yeah, yeah. Re Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I think he's got a rugby tournament or something. Oh, okay. Uh, Ron DeSantis, not Ree. I don't know what Ree's doing. Um, so Ree's not here, so we have a guest host this week, Cheryl. Cheryl, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Cheryl Kimba. Do you want something more? No, nah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, can, they can ask about it on Reddit and find out who you are. Yeah, and, you, and, can, you can Google. Yeah, and Snake. Hey. And our, uh, our special guest this week, Mastin, Council District Candidate, India Walton. Hey, family. India, Hello. thanks for joining us again. All the time, absolutely. Happy to have you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's uh, it's prime election season now. Like things have really kicked off. Petitions have been filed. Objections have been heard. Uh, commissioners of the board of elections have visited Germany. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a crazy petition season, yeah. hasn't it? It is. It's been it was, wild. It, it, it was some of the wildest, worst weather for petitions, don't mm. you yeah. think? So, any- it was awful. I'm like, maybe Mother Nature doesn't want me to run again. Like, we're like, okay, well, we start end of February. By mid-March, we should have, like, decent weather. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. And then we had, there was, like, one or two decent days. And if you try to do petitions today, nobody was home. Because they are like, oh, we finally got good weather. So they all left their house. Delaware Park. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're all on tandem bicycles riding around the city. (laughs) So, India, so uh, you are running for Maston. Why? I'm running for Maston for several reasons. Um, the first of which is because that's where I live. Mm-hmm. And where I live is the community that I serve. And I think that Maston deserves a servant leader who's going to be more concerned about the people who actually live there than um, lining their pockets with funding and money of developers and corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's a place with a lot of potential. The slogan is Maston is a community on the move. But in my opinion, right now, we're looking at the Kensington Expressway project, the Skajakwita project. Maston is on the menu. Mm -hmm. There are lots of plates that are going to be full of federal and state funding on projects to deal with the harms of the past. And a lot of attention is not being paid to how to undo the harms that have been caused to the district, the folks who reside there. Um, So, you know, our priorities are making sure we have good quality housing, affordable units for rental, for homeownership, supporting current homeowners, making sure that we have robust and vibrant business districts. I live in a district where we don't have a single public library or a single mainstream grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I, when I see problems, I am motivated to try and be a part of the solution. So that's really why I'm running. You know, just, just to set it back a little bit, one bit, you know, for our listeners, they're pretty familiar with the city, but not always. Kind of describe the geographic lo- layout of Maston for them, if you can. Well, I'm pretty sure your listeners also heard about, like, the conflict we had around redistricting. Yeah. Right? Our so council- they might not be sure w- what happened with that. Our so. council <laughs> districts are, like, impossible to describe, right? So, like, Maston begins east of Main Street. Um, the neighborhood I live in, Hamlin Park, I'm very close to Canisius College, right? Like, Maine and Humboldt. Mm-hmm. Um on the south, it is bordered by Glenwood Street, 
maybe Riley, who knows, without a map in front of us, yeah. um, goes all the way down toward Bailey, um, you know, parts of Fillmore, the area around Martin Luther King Park, but not some of the neighborhoods around it. So, mm-hmm. um, but it it's a geographically large area. And a, a huge part of the reason why is because when the districts are drawn is contingent upon people. The way to fight blight for a lot of the current administration had been to demolish. Mm-hmm. So lots of parts of Maston district are urban prairies where there is huge swaths of vacancy. So you have to make the district larger to get the same number of people that you would in a more compact district. So Maston is very huge, encompasses lots of the east side, primarily um, zip codes 14208, um, Vibrant place, lots of cool people, and lots of potential that I hope to draw out. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right with the potential. I, I think uh, I don't think I'm telling any tales outside of school that probably for the current administration, certainly the prior administration under Massiello and a lot of the council members there, Maston's probably been the most neglected of the councilmatic districts. And it's really weird, yo, because the mayor lives mm-hmm. <laughs> in the district. Yeah. Um, but it, it has been very neglected. We've seen far less investment, far less development. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to change that. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, again, if, you know, I think most people know, but if you're just tuning into the square for the first time, thanks. But also, you know, like this is an open seat this year. It's, it is not the incumbent is not running for reelection <laughs> for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, probably he couldn't get enough money from ShotSpotter to run a campaign. <laughs> uh, he reminds me all the time that he does not work for ShotSpotter. So we'll we'll see how that turns out. But you know, very very, it was very interesting because I definitely thought this was going to be a race against an incumbent, and mm-hmm. shortly after I announced, he announced his. Um, not seeking reelection. And I actually attended the Maston district stakeholders breakfast. Like I do every month. Mm -hmm. And this time was a little bit off. Mm -hmm. There were more people in the room than usual, more media. The mayor was there. The comptroller was there. Like everybody was there. And I was like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And that was when he announced that he would not be seeking reelection. Um, and, and basically introduced the other person who was also running for the same seat, who was uh, Zanetta Everhart. Mm-hmm. So that happened. Yeah, I've, I've been to one of the Maston stakeholder breakfast before I was there for uh, one of the many shot spotter presentations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I, I knew something was up when I walked in and like DA Flynn and the police commissioner were there and there was a bunch of state troopers in uniform. I was like, huh. what? Is, like there must be something like they didn't, they didn't like accidentally swing by Maston today. Was that like on the agenda? Did, did that was that part of the? Well, so like they didn't send out the agenda ahead of time to like yeah to, to like to me I got invited to show up but they didn't let me know who else was going to be there. That's uh, usually how it works, right? Yeah, and then I got there, I was like, oh man, I am going to need multiple like chocolate milks for this. I, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, <laughs> I am really going to need to like drink my sorrows away in 
uh, slightly sugary milk. Like but nine in the morning. Yeah. Seriously, you have a captive audience, right? right? You bring a person in who is marketing a product. So, you know, I think maybe I'm at the third or fourth meeting where Shot Spotter is presenting. And I say, hey, um, neighbors, someone comes to your door and they sell you a Kirby. They let you use it for a month for free. Yeah. And then they come back to collect the money for this thing that they so they're selling you something. Right. That we know is ineffective. It's flawed in so many ways. There are lawsuits all over the country where ShotSpotter has been caught falsifying evidence against innocent people. Mm-hmm. Why are we choosing this as our first mm-hmm. route of improving public safety when we know it doesn't work? Yeah. Well, that was my thing. Uh, somebody asked about uh, at the presentation i was at and i don't want to get too far afield but it's and said you know hey uh you know, the shot spotters in over 100 cities how has it reduced crime in those cities and the shot spotter rep was like well it has increased 911 calls that doesn't answer the question <laughs> <laughs> it kind of actually does but like not the way he was hoping to uh-huh. <laughs> yeah uh so uh, yeah um yeah i'm glad we're looking for some you know better stronger re- representation in a Maston district i mean can we get street lights Let's right there, <laughs> right. Well, trees. I don't know. You know, well, well, basic stuff. Actually, you, know? you mentioned yeah. trees. Like so, that the was like, that yeah, was the yeah. thing. Like the shot spotter people said, like, well, you know, uh, trees cause problems for yeah. our, our like our software. And I was like, Maston District already has maybe the fewest trees mm-hmm. and, and tree growth in the city, and you're gonna be like, well, we got to cut them all down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just tremendous. So, shot spotter, not on your agenda. What is on your agenda? Like specific plans? What do you What are you gonna do? Day one, day first hundred days in the common council. Okay, so um, even prior to first hundred days, I've already been working on public private partnerships mm-hmm. to extend mortgage financing and home repair financing to homeowners in need. Um, I have been attending and sort of trying to chime in on the Skajakwita and the Kensington Expressway projects. You would be astonished at the difference Mm -hmm. between what is happening with the removal of the 198 in the capping of the Kensington Expressway. We're going to invest a billion dollars of federal and state funding, and there's really no plan for ancillary development, for carbon emissions reduction, Mm -hmm. and for repairing past harms of the creation of that stretch of highway in the first place. So housing is top of my list. Public safety is top of my list. And public safety meaning streetlights, sidewalks, Right. Um, You know, public safety that is improved by environmental design, putting a tool library in Maston District, making sure that our homeowners have access to simple things that can help them improve the conditions of their properties, working with the county to bring a library in so we can improve the literacy rates Mm -hmm. of our students and children and adults, Mm -hmm. Um, working to bring fresh food and um, all of these things that, you know, will be amplified when I'm a council member, but these are things that I work on currently just Mm -hmm. like as a regular person um, that I think I will be able to do much more effectively when I actually have the platform um, of being a a council member. Yeah. I'm going to say like going back to the capping the Kensington, you know, even the state DOT studies said, well, the, you know, the pollution in the area is going to be the same. It's just going to come out in like waves from underneath. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not going to lessen it at all. If anything, it might make it worse because it'd be more concentrated. Right. Um, but it, it'd be 
it should be a, a natural win for the state of Buffalo to work with the state DOT because, you know, former council member Richie Fontana is at the state DOT now. Oh, my God. Don't yep. get me started. But, but like, you would think that, like, he would be, like, pretty responsive. Well, you have a, a governor from West New York, and you have a state DOT person from, you know, from the city of Buffalo in, in particular. Should be somebody you could work with, but not necessarily. It doesn't always work out that way. You don't think they could have found someone to work on this project who was from that neighborhood? Oh, they could have. They probably didn't want to. I've not I've not seen the current council person at any of those meetings. Mm-hmm. There are stakeholders at the table who are lay people mm-hmm. who possibly want what's best for their community but lack the professional and educational expertise to look into the deeper issues that are problematic with this project Mm -hmm. which is the pollution the ancillary development that will not occur appropriately Mm -hmm. the inevitable increase in housing prices Mm -hmm. and costs the potential harm to older homes along humboldt parkway that is going largely unaddressed right and i think that when you have an investment that's this significant everyone should be at the table and like right now There's lots of closed door Mm -hmm. meetings where only some people are invited, right? Like I weasel my way in, Mm -hmm. but that is because they want to be able to say, well, we talk to your community leaders when everyone in this community is a leader Mm -hmm. in their own right. All voices should be heard and more people need to be brought to the table, particularly those who have expertise in planning and transportation and housing development. And I don't see that occurring right Right. now. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they say they're trying to right some of the wrongs of the past, but they're, you know, following the f- same steps of, of not getting community input mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. And, and actually almost seemingly trying to go other way to avoid community input. I have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're definitely going going out of their way. And, I, you know, I raise questions, right? Like they're like, we're, we're going to put out a survey. And I'm like, well, how is the survey getting to people, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're talking about a neighborhood where people don't have the same access to technology and broadband, right? Mm-hmm. So is it going to be online? Mm, you're not going to get the best participation. What you have to do is you have to send someone door to door. And, you know, Solar is the head of the outreach arm of it. And I know that she's been going door to door, but that's not a full staff mm-hmm. that can sufficiently reach then at the at the neighborhood level, right? Like when we organized in a neighborhood as small as the Fruit Belt, we would send out between fifteen and twenty five people on a canvas. And right now, Solar is doing it with two. Right. Well, I mean, you just did petitions in Maston. Did, I'm sure you had more than two people. Did you hit one hundred percent of Maston with them? We did not hit one hundred percent of Maston. Not not at all. You right. know, and I, I you know the the issue of the Kensington Expressway impacts more than just people in the Maston district, yeah. right? Like it's ultimately going to impact everyone in the city. But we're talking about folks in Fillmore. Mm-hmm. We're talking about folks in Ellicott. The Fruit Belt has been completely left out of the conversation, right. and has suffered the same negative impacts as people further down the mm-hmm. Kensington, right? Yeah. So it's even, yes. I mean, it's also going to like, it's going to impact people in, you know, the way the Lovejoy district's drawn now, you know, the Lovejoy district, you know, it's not just Iron Island anymore. It goes all the way up to the, you know, the uh, William Emsley YMCA up there is part of Fillmore district or Lovejoy district now. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah. That's, that's Lovejoy. <laughs> wow. You know, Lovejoy. <laughs> 
at least half of the council districts will be heavily affected by mm-hmm. you know changes to the Kensington. And, you know, you don't, it doesn't seem like you're seeing a lot of community input desired. The men on the Common Council are asleep at the wheel. And this is not me being upset or it's nothing personal, right? Like these people, like they're nice people, Mm -hmm. right? Like I've had pleasant encounters with them, Mm -hmm. but we have all of these things that are coming down the pike and you have influence over what happens and you are choosing to do nothing, right? Not only the Kensington Expressway, we're looking at the legalization of the cannabis industry, Mm -hmm. no regulations, no planning. What are we paying these people to do? I don't want you at my ribbon cutting. Don't come to my barbecue. <laughs> Legislate. Make mm-hmm. some laws. Make some rules. Make some policies that are going to actually benefit, be thoughtful and proactive for the people of this city. Well, to that point, like, you know, uh, we talked about last week with Harper and Layton um, that, you know, we haven't had a lot of, in the, in the Common Council, pushed to legislate or pushed to, to lead on particular issues. Um, and we've seen in the last 20 years there's been a few members of the county legislature who have had particular issues that they want to push on and were very effective because of that. Do you have like particular like legislative goals that you want to enact in the common council? I do. And a part of the challenge that I'm seeing right now is that our city charter is prohibitive of a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're going to have to address that at some point. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say too much about it. Cause I don't want people to get freaked out. Like, Oh my gosh, he wants to open the charter. However, like we have to give the council more power over how laws are passed, mm-hmm. implemented and enforced. We, we just must. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my big things is transparency and accountability, how we are budgeting our money. Um, and like I, I, I'll continue to say, one of my biggest platform priorities is housing and not just as a platitude. I know housing. Mm -hmm. I know affordable housing. I have structured deals. I've worked with banks and government partners and developers to build housing. And I've seen people go from being housing insecure to having an opportunity for home ownership, right? Mm -hmm. With 0% interest, very low down payments and environmentally sound and sustainable housing. I know it can be done. And if I can do it, Mm -hmm. I know that with the power of being an elected official, we can do much better, Mm -hmm. right? If I have the ear of a person in city hall and we can work together and I can say, Hey, enterprise community foundation has this money. Lisk has this money. Why don't we apply for it and work with some organizations on the ground to make sure that we're putting housing in neighborhoods. That's something that can should have already happened, but it's not being done. And that's the mindset that I come into this with. I think I get particularly frustrated when my lack of experience is the main topic of the dissenters. I have lots of experience, right? Like I've actually built houses, mm-hmm. you know, I've actually saved lives. I've breathed life into little tiny mm-hmm. <laughs> babies. I'm a professional, highly educated college graduate, and I'm solid on policy. The things that I say are not things that people have only told me, but things that I've read, researched, written about that I'm an expert at that other people pay me to come and talk to them about. Mm-hmm. Right. And at home in my own city where I want want to do this work i'm being shut out because i'm not playing on the same terms of the people who control the game i brought this up two years ago when you ran people were saying oh well what, whatever experience i was like well 
you know, we have common council members who prior to being common council members were like bartenders and nobody brought up their lack of experience mm-hmm. or they worked at the FedEx. Right. Yeah. Those are important jobs. We need right. bartenders oh, yeah. and FedEx people. Right. I mean, but like that's not, that's not, you know, necessarily, well, I mean, maybe a bartender, depending on where you are, is more civic leadership than some other things. <laughs> um, but you know, like, especially in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, like if you're going, if you want to attack somebody for a lack of, you know, proper experience, don't be so openly hypocritical. You're like, oh, well, that person's fine. Why? Why? Because their family's been involved in politics for three generations so that they have the correct experience there. They can cut that check. Right. <laughs> That's all the experience you really need. I think it's interesting you talk about uh, going back to the housing and, and preparing for affordable housing. Um, I think some people would get the misconception that, you know, massed in because it's one of the uh, lower income council districts, although in the city of Buffalo, they're all compared to like other parts of the country, relatively lower income, um, that affordable housing is not an issue there. But as you mentioned, you know, with all the with stuff coming out with the Kensington and with Skajakwita, there's going to be an increase in price how and and housing prices there. There's going to be an increase in, in valuation and assessments. You're looking at doing something, I think, quite right that the council and the city hall, especially, haven't done in the last couple of decades, which is let's address a problem before it becomes a problem. Right. right. One of one of the things that we were able to do in the fruit belt is we were able to get legacy homeowners grandfathered in so that their tax rates will not increase as we see the neighborhood change. There's a, a saying from our friends over in move, movement generation in Oakland. They say change is inevitable. Justice is not mm-hmm. right. Neighborhoods are going to change. But how do we ensure that as neighborhood change? People are able to not only stay in place, but benefit from the positive changes that will occur, right? Because right. What, what we're seeing now and why gentrification is such a big deal is because these are negative impacts of neighborhood change where you see over-policing, mm-hmm. people being priced out, mm-hmm. right? And the amenities and wages not keeping up with mm-hmm. the price that people are being charged to live in a neighborhood. So how do we make sure that our legacy homeowners in Hamlin Park and in Maston District are not going to face, you know, double and triple tax bills when they've been living in their house for 30, Mm -hmm. 40 years? How do we protect them? And I think another very important part about that is just like having a little bit of vision, Mm -hmm. right? Like thinking toward the future and the consequences and a part of why I feel is so important to be able to have leaders like nurses is because my brain works in this is wired in a Mm -hmm. certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. When I encounter a patient, the first thing I do is assess the problem. Then we make a plan to address it. Then we implement that plan and then we reevaluate it mm-hmm. and we see what's working and what's not working. And then we go back to the drawing board and you're in this continual cycle of assessment, planning, mm-hmm. treating and and reevaluating to make sure that what you're doing is working. And what we have is people who have been doing things for so long their way and it doesn't work and they cannot seem to figure it out that they need to be reevaluating and reassessing the conditions. People keep saying that Buffalo was on the rise before a lot of us. It just isn't true. Yeah. I mean, let's, it gets back to, I was reading something uh, this week um, uh, about basically the current income levels in the United States that, uh, you know, in order to the low income now in the United States nationwide uh, is uh, the family would be $48,500 or less mm-hmm. as low income. For a household of how large? 
any household in the, in the United oh, States. Okay. That's the average household in, income. You know, so if, if you're a single individual, you're probably doing better than average, but like that's that they're just, this was just the median, like 48, five, um, is low, low income in the United States now. And I think that would be a shock to a lot of people in Buffalo and Washington, New York, especially here mm-hmm. when we have families on the East side where the area median income is $22,500. Right. Right. And I think that a lot of times when we talk about affordable housing, people automatically flip a switch and think that it's low income housing. Housing should be affordable to every single person, no matter what your income is. Mm -hmm. When I say affordable housing, I mean that you're not spending more than 30% of your household income on housing. I don't mean it means you make less than $48,000 a year. I don't care how much money you make. Right. It means that in order to have a decent life you shouldn't be spending more than 30 percent of your income on housing period Mm -hmm. and safe housing right no lead Mm -hmm. no no problems no quality high quality yes right yeah i mean you know shelter it's a need right it's not too much to ask it really isn't Mm -hmm. i went to i was in vienna um this fall and the quality of social housing subsidized housing is incredible i'm talking about like saunas and rooftop pools and I, you know i keep going back to that because it's something it, like it was mind-blowing to me that we have housing projects under the buffalo municipal housing authority that the elevator hasn't worked in two years mm-hmm. right or like the paint is peeling and just deplorable conditions and we see that like people are not being charged absorbent rental rates and they can walk to a grocery store. There's preschool on site. There's space to park their bicycles. There's a cafe. It's close to public transit. And I'm not saying that everything in Vienna is great, right? Like there's still undertones of race and those who mm-hmm. deserve and hope those who do not. But like they just have this long history of social supports where it's ex- they just do it. Mm-hmm. And we say, well, how do you do it? And they're like, People should have a house. What do you mean? How do we do it? Right. Like, yeah, it's just what we have to. I heard you talk about Vienna recently in a housing panel and it was like a dream. It was like hard to believe that this was the standard of living. And then thinking about Buffalo here, it's like, I don't know if we even feel like we can hope for that. But you're right. We should and Mm -hmm. we can. And so we're seeing and this is not math and related, but I think about all of these things all of the time. Right. So the Lakeview projects are going to be torn down and rebuilt. So Lakeview used to be a Mitchell Lama project. um, And there used to be units in there that were made for middle income people um, for them to purchase. And like, I, you know, the the program is now defunct but i think that as we look toward new development we have to think more about cooperative style housing more about social housing and more about how we make sure that like folks are in safe healthy affordable places like my whole every morning my slogan when i was ed of the community land trust was heads and beds everything that i do needs to be about like making sure that children that mothers fathers and and our most vulnerable in this community have a safe place to rest at night the basis of our health as individuals and as a community relies on having safe healthy housing we can't even get them water <laughs> but no you're right like it's it's, it's only you not just Locally, but like it's a national problem in the United States where like clearly our priorities are 
basically, we, we, if you're low income and you need help with your housing, we're going to punish you for that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's very much, um, you know, we're gonna, it's your fault and you're a bad person and we want you to know it. And so we're going to treat you like you're subhuman in a lot of ways. It's a sad state of affairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. India, uh, we're getting pretty close to the half hour mark. So is there anything else you want to talk to us about and, and highlight before, you know, we, we move on to news of the week? Yeah, I just want to say I'm very much um, in this race. I consider myself the front runner. Um, I don't know that there's a, a person that's more qualified to lead um, during all of these difficult times that we've been facing. If folks are interested, you can sign up to volunteer at www.indiawalton.com. Follow me on social media. Um, come visit our campaign office. Contribute. Um, this is definitely, I, I know that the establishment candidate is going to outspend me, but what I can assure you is that I will not be outworked. So not leaving. I'm here to stay. Great. Uh, we'll share your socials and uh, your your website uh, when we release the episode. Uh, India, thanks so much for coming back. Absolutely. With Let's Go Pills, I wanted to make a beer that was similar to the beers I grew up drinking in, in the tailgate. And I wanted a clear American lager that was crisp and, and just really sharp. It, it takes the classic American lager and, it, and we, we showcase craft ingredients made by locals, made by fans, uh, to be shared by fans. Bring community to all that you do and good things happen. All right, so hopefully you enjoyed the interview. If you didn't, um, tell me what I did wrong, because I was a bad interviewer. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna do news of the week, which is everybody's favorite segment. People love this. Yeah, That's, we always get yeah. we we half read the news, so you don't have to. Right, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, we just, we just scroll through and like skim oh. headlines yeah. on your phone. <laughs> we make up the rest. Right, that's we're Buffalo Buzzfeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you don't end like Buzzfeed. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Womp womp. Buffalo Blue Sky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, uh, so let's talk off the, the first topic we got to talk about today. Minimum wage. Minimum wage. Going up. Not too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know how uh, in the winter they tell you to keep your water running at, at a drip? <laughs> that's kind of the minimum wage rise here. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, yeah. Minimum wage. It looks like uh, our, our erstwhile governor has negotiated or negotiate doesn't seem like when you have a supermajority in your party probably could have negotiated more than this yeah mm-hmm. you know i mean it's not like she had to get like approval from the senate republicans like you had to like 10 years ago to get something done uh so it, i, I mean, guess there's illusion of difficulty there did, that she, she ne- wants to maintain she negotiated with the buffalo niagara partnership and yeah. the chambers of commerce across okay. the state all right so it looks like we've got a split deal between downstate and upstate right right yeah like as as per usual as usual yeah um, downstate would make a little bit more, but upstate in a couple of years will be up to $16 an hour, which, you know, if you're keeping track of inflation and current minimum wage, yeah. way, way too little. Should be at least 20, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I mean, at least it should be 20 for like now. And then yeah, like, now. Right. And like a couple of years from now, like you'll be even higher than yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think someone had proposed 21, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Twenty one fifty even, I think, but that seemed to have gone nowhere. Right. No, it's uh, we, that all the money for minimum wage increases went to the bills for a stadium <laughs> because they really needed it. Right? Yeah. Uh, just, 
so yeah, minimum wage, sixteen dollars an hour. They'll also be relying on free labor, by the way. Yeah, sell their beer. Yeah, yeah it's, it, if you don't know what Ryan's talking about, so if the bills, uh, the people working the beer stands at the stadium. Our volunteers generally. Oh, I know this. I was asked to do this. Yeah, one time. they they train volunteers for local nonprofits. They can't just be like, "Well, we're a billion dollar enterprise. Here's a check to your nonprofit." No, you have to do some work to get it. I was aghast because yeah. the way they framed it was like, I don't remember what they called it. It was sort of like this community building, you know, like. You know, get everyone, your team together and do a service day kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But they, For a great cause. But, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's St. Mark's tuition. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're constantly on the lookout for new nonprofits and groups to reach out to because people do this one time and they're like, this was terrible. Right. Like, like selling $10 beers to a bunch of drunks is not a team community building endeavor. I've done this before. Yeah? What was I it have. like? It was worse than working at McDonald's. Yeah. Um, yeah. The people are pretty rude. They're already like juiced up from the tailgate. Mm-hmm. I was on nachos, fortunately. Um, and I'm, I make a great plate of nachos, so yeah. it wasn't as bad for me. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine like how bad it would be to do like a 1 p.m. game when people have been tailgating for a couple of hours. A 4 p.m. or a, an evening game? Oh, my goodness. Crazy. No fucking way. Not in like not in a million fucking years. You couldn't pay me enough. Mm-mm. Right. Well, they're not paying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean you got between that and uh you know the community benefits agreement, I guess the bills are gonna be in charge of where that money goes now. Yeah. That it's just great all around. Right, yeah. Yeah. But no minimum wage. But I I mean I guess like you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we recorded, but like I guess Technically, it's a little bit better than what other states are doing, but that is the like, the soft bigotry of low expectations, right? Like, <laughs> I guess we're not making kids work in the mines like other states, right? Right, so. or, uh, you know, I uh, saw, you know, Texas, and I think Florida is doing this too, where like individual municipalities can't have higher minimum wages anymore. They can't say, okay, well, it's expensive to live in Austin or Miami, so we're going to have a higher minimum wage. Their state legislatures uh, are saying, no, 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 our minimum wage is the federal minimum wage, is seven twenty five an hour, because, you know, Again, like nobody wants to work, so the best way to get people to sign up for work is to say we're going to cut your wages in half. Mm. We're we're in the age of cruelty. Yeah, I don't, I mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, yeah. The the cruelty is the point. Yeah, you know, I, it's sixteen dollars an hour is obviously a joke. Uh, Kathy Hochul, there's a lot of reasons she should be ashamed of herself. This is just to add another one to the list. Uh, I when Santa Claus is checking his naughty and nice list mm-hmm. this uh, this winter, I don't know that she's going to be on the nice list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Claims to be a uh, child of a steel worker, a union family. Mm-hmm. Well, that was that was uh, part of the time. Her father eventually ended up starting a tech uh, contracting mm-hmm. firm, which exploited workers. Right. Eventually, so yeah, I wonder, I wonder which side she is on. She she doesn't seem too friendly to unions either. No. So mm. anyway. I don't wonder what side. She's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But speaking of cheap labor. One yes. of the places you can get it if you if you're in New York State is in jails, right. in prisons. And, good, good segue. Yeah, and the, <laughs> and the county. So the, there was a big protest because the county was like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna buy the Grand Hotel, the old Adams Mark, and uh, turn it into the, a new holding center for the county because the current holding center is terrible." And people were like, "Well, part of that sentence was factually correct, like was correct." But uh, there was a big protest, and the and the the county legislature approved. 
think it's like $750,000 to do a feasibility study about turning the Grand Hotel into a new holding center. They should have called the guy who owns the Grand Hotel. That was an oversight <laughs> yeah. on their part. <laughs> Can you imagine getting that news from the news calling you yeah. to comment? Yeah, I guess they did the feasibility study for them, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, w, uh, WIVB gets all seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I like. I guess they could use eminent domain. I don't know. It's it's a crazy idea that the uh, the county is like. Well, we we need a new holding center, which is I don't probably correct. Like the holding center is old, and you know, like they certainly haven't taken care of it. And um, but there's a lot of issues with the holding center, and I don't think a new building is going to solve right. any of them. Correct. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, the, the real issue is policing in the carceral state, right? Mm-hmm. And the root causes of, of crime and what is even considered crime right? Um, in this in this city, in this county, in this nation. Um, I sh- I've been struggling with the issue because I know that the facilities that currently exist are woefully mm-hmm. inefficient and harmful. Um, I don't believe in pretrial incarceration unless there's like imminent danger, mm-hmm. right, or harm being caused to an individual. So, number one, we have to talk about like reducing the size. We have to talk about alternatives to incarceration. And I think a part of this project that has the ear of a lot of people, particularly those who have family members incarcerated, is that there's the consideration of moving the correctional facility. So folks who have been sentenced and convicted into the city mm-hmm. um, where right now we have a county correctional facility that's inaccessible mm-hmm. where people can't get to see their loved ones. So I'm an abolitionist at heart. I do know that we're not quite there yet. Like we can't abolish incarceration altogether, but $750,000, right? $250 million that they're thinking about investing in a new right. facility can be better spent in many ways in our community preventing crimes from happening in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think it'll give them cover. They'll be like, well, yes, we are trying to address this. Look at all the money we've spent mm-hmm. and our new, you know, shiny facility. Right. Uh, uh, well, is that not even a new facility? Like yeah, they're talking right. about, like retrofitting the, the right. Grand Hotel. Yeah, that uh, had a terrible fire. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Mysteriously. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, like I don't want to say like, oh, the the current holding center is fine. It's right. clearly not. It's cl- I mean, it's clearly substandard living conditions for those people who are are being held there. But you're right. Like I am very anti like pre-conviction like holding people mm-hmm. and then the, you're like the wendy correctional facility on alden it used to be somewhat accessible because the county home was out there mm-hmm. and you know so because of that the nfta did run routes out there on a regular basis because there's a lot of people who were working out in alden at the county home uh and so wendy's not that far from it but when the county sold uh closed and sold the home like 20 years ago the nfta was like guess we don't have to run these buses ever again was that 20 years ago uh, 2004, 2005. My goodness. I did my first clinical rotation in nursing school at the Erie County home. I cried mm-hmm. and I, I quit nursing school that day. Mm-hmm. I came back, but I was like, I can't do that place was terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Yeah. Like you would never want your loved one to live out 
And, you know, I think when people I'm getting off on a tangent, I'll be back really soon. <laughs> but when people put their loved ones into a nursing facility, it's for them to get care. And it's not always because they're elderly. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there were people who were in their 20s mm-hmm. that may have had some sort of degenerative disease or like their family couldn't care for them. And they were just like bedridden and filthy and it like well, it gets it back was to, tough to experience uh, being out there. Let's get back a little bit to what mm-hmm. we talked about during your interview. Like you know, priorities in this country, even a state like New York, we were like, we don't care about people. Nope, that's not that is not our priority. Mm-hmm. Our priority is making as much money for businesses as, as possible. At the height of the pandemic, Jim, I was doing private duty pediatric nursing for vulnerable children, and the state cut the reimbursement rates for Medicare, Medicaid, and nurses who do home care. Right now, there are nurses in New York City who are working 24-hour shifts, nurses, home care workers, PCAs who are working 24-hour shifts mm-hmm. and not being paid. Mm-hmm. It's We have a serious issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, and so, um, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of issues with the, the, the jail, with the holding center, with the sheriff's office. Um Moving into the old Adams Mark is not going to solve any of them. By any means. <laughs> right. You know, um, I, I'm not convinced that the Adams Mark, because of the fire, because it's been abandoned for years, is actually in any better shape than the current holding center. We got to see the feasibility study. Right. We gotta, <laughs> what, what were their findings? Uh, yeah. What, what, what did WIVB find out for that $750,000 <laughs> we paid them? I wish somebody would give me $750,000 to tell them what is plainly obvious to every single people walking around. I'll tell like, you what, I'll do it for $740. <laughs> I'll do it for $7.40. So, yeah, that's what we got. Uh, <laughs> the new jail. Let us know if you if you got any ideas on where we should put the jail. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard my... my well, the, there's your idea, right? My idea yeah. for the jail that I... I uh, opined or come up with a couple of times is uh you know we're going to spend a billion dollars on the football stadium 250 million dollar jail let's save some money let's build an artificial island in the lake that's a combination jail football stadium ah because people love jails and they love football in this city so like we could, like 100 we could get the money for it you know we can throw some gambling in there too right, right. Yeah. yeah yeah we put it in international waters yes. and yeah, yeah, you can make the efficiency argument there. Right, yeah. Uh, like Shared staff. Right. All the volunteer beer uh, sell, sales will be duty-free. Yeah. That'd oh, God. Great. I can see like a whole Mad Max situation. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that the county executive and the mayor don't hear this podcast. <laughs> this is probably the same way that the idea of putting the Bass Pro on the waterfront came about. <laughs> yeah, Larry Quinn listening to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we got better ideas than Bass Pro, though. I don't know, Diamond Jim. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, performance cigarette factory you've been the, Yeah, the about. performance cigarettes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, well, you, you know, energy drinks, right? Yeah. Oh, I they're, see where this is they're going. They're big right now. We'll, we'll infuse cigarettes. Uh, mm-hmm. With it's caffeine? Probably, probably the same clientele, like the same market, right? <laughs> yeah, caffeine, taurine, whatever they put in those drinks to give you a little pep in your St. Stuff. John's wort. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Really open that mind up. Mm-hmm. Speaking of moving downtown, yeah. hi, Mark. <laughs> Switching buildings. Yeah, I guess they're. Uh, well, we were talking about this. I don't. I don't know too many of the details, but uh, 
I mean, there there really aren't that many details. Really, they're they're moving into Seneca One, so the top floors. Yeah, which I think a lot of people were hoping for an observation deck there. Um, but I think what was it ten fifteen years ago they knocked down like a historic building, kept the facade, and built that building there. Mm-hmm. They don't own it; they've been leasing it, mm-hmm. and now they're getting out. I think it's uh, you were mentioning it's probably an acknowledgement that remote work is here to stay. Yeah, I th- I think you know we, while there's still a lot of uh, people kicking and screaming saying you have to get back to the office. I think I think a lot of uh C-suite people are starting to come to the wrong realization that if they want to attract Not all of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them are coming around like if you want to attract a decent workforce and, and get people to stay with you uh, and not just use you as a jumping off point, um you're going to have to acknowledge that work from home at least in some like high, at least hybrid is going to be here for a, a while. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think the New York Times did an article recently about sort of that fight mm-hmm. and there seems to be sort of like a denial that a lot of employers are still in mm-hmm. that there is a way to sort of go back in time and still attract the workforce that they need and I just don't think that's the reality anymore. No. No, I mean it's it's funny. Like you know, like we see, like you know, obviously Governor Hochul is you know, very worried about the real estate in New right. York City, and I was like, "Hey, you have an affordable housing issue in New York City, and you've got a bunch of empty buildings. I don't want to do any more work for you." <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, that's been. Oh, you probably know more about this. Like other cities have really been taking that up, like the conversions of office space into apartments. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not the easiest thing in the world, but it it has been like underway somewhat in mm-hmm. other cities. It has, and easy is a tough word um, because nothing that's really worth anything is going to be an easy thing to do. But I think if, you know, Douglas Jamal can turn a former police headquarters into apartment buildings, we can convert some of these empty office spaces into the same. Mm -hmm. Right. Right, and I think that it's interesting that we're talking about the Adams Mark being reused as a prison rather than some sort of housing and I think that like there's a huge missed opportunity in the state where we could have had the tenant opportunity to purchase act where we could have had housing voucher access programs um, that would get people housed and now here we are Mm -hmm. scraping and scrounging once again um, trying to make sure that folks have a safe place to rest their heads right and that's possible at the city level like I think you know it's a matter of like some zoning Mm-hmm. things right? i mean i'm no expert in this area but i feel like making changes on that level could help push some of these projects through well i mean even you know in the city of buffalo you know like um the former hens and kelly build, build, building at 478 main mm-hmm. which was erie county social services for a long time um and now on the first and maybe second floor is like social security administration but the rest of it is how is apartments you know, notoriously benevolent carl paladino is the one who did that like it's <laughs> it's not that it's not easy is that it costs money? Yeah, and like you know, he's not like he wants his money back. Mm-hmm. You know, so like that was why it happened. But like, yeah, like that's a six story building, and he converted like four f- floors like instantaneously into residential. Okay, let's get this one thing straight: developers are not bearing the cost of creating. Oh yeah, right. Housing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is not financed? Is you especially when there's affordable units in the project is paid for by state and federal funding, mm-hmm. HUD funding, LIHTC funding, community development, block grant funding. Like there is money there to do this. The will is not there because our leadership and politics does not demand that. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, these places are sitting empty mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then people are like, 
you know, decrying the fact that like the parking, you know, decks are empty and people aren't going to the restaurants for lunch downtown. People live there, they would be. Right. And right. I know this is not on the news of the week, but Brian Higgins with this whole like campaign against the vacancy tax in Canada, oh, right? Yeah. Like, oh, we um, talked about that last week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, like, we need a vacancy tax here, yeah. right? Like, yeah. if we have a vacancy tax, we would be able to establish a housing trust fund to build more units just on the strength that people are holding on to properties as places to stash wealth instead of places for people to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you need the financial incentive. Right, or financial, like like we talked when we talked about it, like, you know, taxes do one thing. They either incentivize you to do one thing or disincentivize you to do yep. something else. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, if you... Like entry level, like economics and finance, like that's what they teach you. You you immediately just you know don't listen to it. You're like, how do I make money? But like, if you're taking an entry level, like that's what they're like. Oh, that's what taxes are for, mm-hmm. and that's what this like disincentivize people to just like stash money in places. Either open it up so people can live there, or give us money so we can afford to build things so mm-hmm. that people can live someplace. And again, other cities are doing that. Yeah, yeah. I think there's uh, what city was this? There's a, there's one I can't remember Cleveland where there's a lot of empty lots. Mm-hmm. You know where there had been buildings or housing that had been raised. You know for different reasons over the years and the owners are just holding on to them, keeping them empty because it makes more financial sense for them to do so. But now they're starting to get penalized for that. Mm -hmm. So of course they're starting to like sell it back to the city now so that it can be actually repurposed and used for, you know, people. So yeah, the carrot and the stick do work. Right. Yeah. Instead of in in here in Buffalo, we've got mayor Brown driving a bulldozer around like he's (laughs) fucking Patton, (laughs) like just knocking things over. Well, anyway, I look forward to all um, Highmark's real estate savings being passed on <laughs> right, yeah. to their consumers. Right, yeah, because that, yeah. that, the building that they have at the old like pump station or wherever it was, like, yeah. uh, uh, over there by the 190 on-ramp, I'm sure that's going to be converted to something useful real sure. quick. Right. Right. Another empty relic right. mm-hmm. of what could have been. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Speaking of people getting kicked out. Oh. <laughs> uh, Highmark kicking themselves out of their, their location. Uh, there was a, a petition um, from the Delaware Chippewa location of Starbucks to uh, get rid of the union vote that they had that passed. Okay. Uh, now, it, it passed 18 to 1. It was like one of the most like resounding yeah, victories a, yeah. for uh, uh, Starbucks that. Workers United. And, uh, yeah, there's somebody who's like, ah, well, it, it's, it's not working out. Yeah, like it's one person, somebody. Yeah, 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 it's Howard Schultz. Yeah, is there. <laughs> Put on like a fake mustache. Yeah. Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Soured Holtz. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because like I know um, when the Starbucks executives were in Buffalo and trying to fight all this stuff as much as possible. Not that they're not now, but like when they were like initially trying to do it, they were actually staying across the street at the at the Westin. Yep. They, you know, they were in that Starbucks every day, like just lamenting that things were going awry. But yeah. Uh, um, Starbucks Works United have uh, asked NLRB to like say, hey, like they can't they can't actually ask for this until like we have our initial contract, and Starbucks c- continues to refuse to negotiate. Uh, but it's interesting because I only saw one place ca- carrying the story. Fucking Bloomberg News was like, hell yeah, we can't wait to get rid of unions. Mm, so local news isn't covering this. No, no, local news hasn't covered this yet. Uh, like I said, Bloomberg was the only people who are like, yeah, 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 unions suck. Remember we told you we told you that years ago. I'm I'm sorry. We we have local news. <laughs> well, w, I, I w, this was the no, local news. <laughs> WIVB closed after they got that $750,000 yeah. check. <laughs> We're done here. 
Oh, uh, we were talking about uh, let's talk let's talk about making things better. Oh, or more prestigious. More prestigious. Yeah, may, Highmark might be more prestigious than Seneca One. I doubt it. Maybe. But Canisius, following the trend of Madai, Duval, and uh, SUNY Buffalo State, is now going to become a university. Canisius University. I think I prefer the alliteration better. Yeah. Canisius College sounds better to me. I agree. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just it just in my it mind. Rolls off the tongue. Though. Right. But university, it's better for recruitment, I guess. Right, especially mm-hmm. international. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it though? I feel like Canisius College has like a prestige of its own that doesn't need the university title to attract students. I mean, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think it has a real strong identity, especially among probably like other Jesuit schools mm-hmm. and, you know, attracts a certain kind of student. Although I feel like the higher education landscape is like pretty dire right now. Yeah. So yeah. I could see maybe these sorts of institutions trying to make whatever move they can. Right. That's because the millennials and Gen Zers have figured out that you don't necessarily need college. Like we fell for it. They're, right. they're yeah, like, yeah, nah. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that, and there are fewer of them. Right. right. Well, yeah. That's true. Right. Yeah. And also like, you know, I don't, I, I haven't checked a lot what the tuition at Canisius is now, but it's probably like 60 to $70,000 a year to go to Canisius. That's there. It. Right. Uh, I know. So they want to make that return on your investment look more attractive. Right. Yeah. So um, this is all coming, like all these schools becoming universities is coming. Uh, the, the state has kind of, the higher education um, has relaxed what the requirements are on being university. Um, you still have to have some graduate studies. So we're not going to see ECC university anytime soon. Uh, but, you know, uh, you you don't have to necessarily offer as many professional degrees or doctoral programs as you might have had to offer in the past. Um, so, you know, it leaves us with just one college in the area, 97 Rocks College of Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> They're working on it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, they brought back tenured professor Anita West to... Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, it reminds me, uh, when I... When I was in uh, college, I worked part-time for NOCO when they had convenience stores. Hmm. And uh, they made me go for training. And after the end of like three days of training, they gave me a certificate that said I had graduated from NOCO University. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Did you hang it on your wall? <laughs> well, so uh, like 15 years later, my nephew is now going for training at NOCO. And my dad says, hey, uh, tell him you're a legacy at NOCO University. <laughs> I love that. When you graduate, did they give you a free pack of cigarettes? <laughs> Some lottery tickets, yeah. maybe? A gallon a, of gas. A Snickers bar. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, tuition at, at Canisius College is 30910 U.S. dollars. Okay. Which ain't that bad. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, that's actually cheaper than I thought it would be. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think that's, I paid that for my entire associate's degree. Yeah. Right, but but that, I mean, it's, that's probably cheaper than like SEM. <laughs> oh right? yeah, like nickels. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And no, the, totally. It's probably right. che- it might be cheaper than Canisius High School. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Something that we we've mentioned a couple of times uh, on the in the past, near and dear to our hearts, um, the. Westside Bazaar moved downtown and is finally actually open. Everything like yeah, every, all the hurdles that they had have been cleared. Bar is still waiting on the licensing. Yes, but oh, they're gonna have a bar, or they have a bar. Yep. Yeah, because the, the, ah. the old expo spot, right? Oh, that's yep. where it is. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, there was the bar there. Uh, so they're they're gonna have that, so you can you know go get yourself uh, a rum and coke. Please don't call it Cuba Libre. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and you know, and enjoy some uh, some of the finer food in the city. 
That's I'm, a good. I'm excited for. It. I'm. I'm also excited for the Niagara location. Oh, I am. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's so. Is the Expo built because the Market Arcade building is owned by Nick Sinatra? Is the Expo building also owned by Nick Sinatra? Uh, maybe. Do we know that? I don't know. Not sure. Mm. Somebody get Rob Galbraith on the line. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Let them have him over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good space for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice space in there. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what happened with why Expo closed because, like, when I worked downtown, it was always busy. There was always tons of people there. The pandemic killed it, I think. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Mm. Yeah. It was like a destination. I don't, I don't know if they were having trouble converting to takeout, that type of thing. Maybe. Or, yeah. Uh, uh, pandemic is what we call Nixon Andra. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> So I used to work upstairs there um, at 617 Main. So like Expo was my go-to place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that like the challenge of having a takeout operation run out of a place where there's no parking, like yeah. your drivers can't pull up and yeah, quickly get true. things and get them out yeah. is probably a lot of the reason why they were not able to be successful. But Westside Bazaar is there and like they have a reputation for like such good food that mm-hmm. I'm sure that like folks are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even going to be like a convenience thing. Like right. people will go there for that. It, it'll it'll be a destination. It yeah. will be. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, like, cause like you know, when it was Expo, like I, mean, I don't want not to slight anybody else, but like other than like the Sun Market there, that was there. Mm. I didn't. I wasn't going. I wasn't breaking my hip to get down there. To I get, liked Newberry. It was okay. It was. It was all right. <laughs> it was fine. They had La Divina there for a spell, and the tacos were yeah, good. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you know, it, it, I think now with it being you know the bazaar, it's going to be more of a destination. People will go out of their way to get there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go now that yeah. I know that it's open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I am really excited about the Niagara location because I think that's big. Yeah, the Niagara location is supposed to be huge. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very excited about that. Um, speaking of uh, places where you can get food and some entertainment, uh, Jack Rabbit. Yes. I've never been there. Oh, it's really good food. Oh, I, really? Live yeah, I, shows. I, I call it John F. Kennedy Rabbit. Okay, <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm not friends with you anymore, Diamond Jim. I'm food sorry. Is good. You should go. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Rabbit is the shiz. Yeah. I just, how, I just, how, could you have, how could you not? He, he, he's a holdout for J.P. Bullfeathers. He was a <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. yeah, I'm a, I'm a J.P. So, Bullfeathers loyalist. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's, you'll, you'll find me in the harbor throwing all of Jack Rabbit's <laughs> tea uh, over a boat. <laughs> No, Jackrabbit, they they want to have two concerts. They do, and we have a major NIMBY situation yeah. going on. Uh, we've, talked we, about, we, we've talked about the, like, the NIMBYs in Elmwood Village. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. How long ago could you have conceivably moved there that there wasn't noise in the Elmwood Village? Like, what, Unless you're one of the vampires from what we do in the shadows. <laughs> like, it's, it's always been a busy neighborhood. But aren't these the same people that host Porch Fest every year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also this month. <laughs> so, like I don't, I don't get it. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff like mm-hmm. events at Elmwood mm-hmm. throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what? Right by Jackrabbit, there is a concert series in Bidwell Park that the Elmwood Village Association puts on. Right. And they're like, ah, ah Jackrabbit, too noisy. They're tripping. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's the reason you move to that neighborhood, right? Right. Still. Yeah. You want to be where it's happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Makes no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I know. If you want quiet, go out to East Amherst. I don't know. No. Get out of here. Yeah. Go, to, go to Marilla. Right. Now, if you want quiet, go to Maston District. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's very there peaceful. You go. It yeah. is very quiet. <laughs> but yeah, in my in my past job, I ran into that a lot with uh, people in Allentown. Very, mm. very mad about noise from bars yeah. and concerts and like people on patios and stuff. And like these are really like 
strong-willed people. Yeah. Like, they show up to all the meetings. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I almost, like, I kind of get, like, when they moved the concerts from Lafayette Square to the water, to the canal side, mm -hmm. and people in the Marine Drive apartments complained. I, I got that to a certain degree, because, like, when they moved in the Marine Drive apartments, canal side was nothing. Mm -hmm. Right? So, it, it wasn't, like, they weren't expecting that. You know, I still thought the canal side was a pretty lo good location, and, you know, could maybe deal with it a little bit but like whatever um but yeah if you move into allentown or elmwood like you kind of know what you're getting right yeah, yeah. like like unless you're expecting like you know a hundredth birthday card soon like you probably and even then <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think like it, it's good to communicate really clearly with the residents in the neighborhood like what's on the program what mm -hmm. are the hours what are the dates so you know they have a heads up maybe yeah. they can plan around it you know, and don't be, like, unreasonable about it. Right. You know? Yeah, I don't think this is going to be, like, an all-night rave at Jackrabbit. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not going to be, like, a heavy metal mosh pit type thing, right? I mean, yeah, I don't think. I No. I, Even I, if it was, I don't care. But right. I'm just saying it's probably not going to be that vibe. It's yeah. not. Right? Yeah. And my thing is that a part of the reason why these neighborhoods are as prominent as they are is because they have thriving business districts. Right. So, like, what does it look like if you are alienating the very people that keep the money flowing mm -hmm. in your neighborhood? Like, don't do that. Yeah. I mean... Look, Not classy Elmwood Village. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so uh, call Jackrabbit and tell him, yeah, we, we love it. Sign it up. Music all the time. Concerts <laughs> constantly. <laughs> I support drag, Jack Rabbit. They have a really great drag show. Oh, yeah. Their food is good, and they have that back room. That they you do. Can rent out. Yeah. And bring back the pickle pizza if you're listening to this. Yeah. Jack Rabbit. <laughs> Come on, Jack Rabbit. Come on. <laughs> How could uh, they do that? People that, uh, now let's talk about some people that you should be complaining about. Uh, Lancaster School Board candidates. Oh, uh, this is uh, Gavin, one of our mods on our Discord and uh, a longtime friend of us. Uh, has been Mr. Lancaster. Mr. Lancaster has been really been bringing us about it. He's a Lancaster gadfly. He goes to all the, the village board meetings, and, um, and so there are. There's a contested school board election in Lancaster this year. Uh, there are three incumbents running, and then there are three challengers. The three challengers. It, from what I can tell, are, are being supported by uh, the Moms for Liberty group, which does have a local branch here in Erie County. If you're not familiar with the Moms for Liberty, uh, they are... A bunch of Karens. We're way worse than that. It's yeah, not like they're just complainers. Like, I mean, they, yeah. they, they, they are, uh, you know, anti-LGBTQ. Yes. Uh, they, you know, like, they, they have on their Buffalo uh, branch website... Like books that are, contain pornography that are available in like public school like school libraries in the area, and like one of them is like being gay is okay is like one of their examples of being pornographic. They they want to ban books. Um, you know they're like oh well, well you know we just want to like you know have parental rights for teaching. This is the type of group uh, nationally like they want to have school board oversight and to be able to veto textbooks so that they can have what they view as part of the textbook and not what is actually factual in the textbook you know that they have been in the lead in some states and in some areas uh, in like oh well you know to make sure that uh trans kids aren't in, in the wrong i'm using finger quotes here sports uh we inspect their genitalia before we we oh, uh, uh -huh. approve them to to play sports um so like 
It's real the, sick shit. Right. And, 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 you know, this is, it looks to be an attempt to get a foothold in the Western York region, in the school mm-hmm. boards. And obviously, you know, they'll use, want to use a school board as a jumping off for larger things. You know, we talked about with Harper and Layton last week, you know, people start on small positions and jump up to big ones. You know, like, you know, Kathy Hochul started as a, you know, town board member in, mm-hmm. in, in the town of Hamburg. Um, I mentioned former Congressman Tom Reynolds, who at one point was head of the Republican congressional campaign committee and was like the second or third most powerful Republican in the country started as clerk in the village of Springville. You know, so like you know, don't think that these elections don't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they matter hugely because there's so few people who will turn out to them. Um, there is a, a candidates um, um, forum in Lancaster this week. It'll probably happen before this episode releases. Um, the only thing that's encouraging is that it seems like now the Lancaster Republicans out Lanc- Republican committee out there is a bunch of like MAGA freaks. They invited these three shithead candidates to come speak to the Lancaster Republican Committee, and even that, only five people showed up for them at mm. the Lancaster Republican Committee. So even they have like a little bit of a distaste. Yeah, for are these they people. too extreme? Even it's, it sounds like for it sounds yeah. like no, I mean they're they're not campaigning on like any of the stuff that like is that the Moms for Liberty is known for actually mm-hmm. doing nationwide. Moms for Liberty, they're pretty smart PR. Like, they don't camp, they camp, they camp out like, oh, parents' choice and, and doing what's right for our kids. And then as soon as they get in, they're like, like let's get, let's ban all trans kids. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being gay is illegal in this, in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so they don't, aver- they don't campaign us because they know that it's, it's totally abhorrent. Um, mm-hmm. But th- that is what they support. That is who they are. So, um, you know, keep an eye out if you have friends or family in Lancaster, you know, encourage them to v- vote in the school board and make sure they, they educate themselves on who's running. Um, and, you know, obviously they're, even if they lose in Lancaster this year, and hopefully they will, even if they get wiped out and they lose all three seats that they're running for, they're not going away. Right. They're, they're, they, they, they get they're a, here. They have a lot of national funding. And that's one of the things I think that the reason why they pick school board races is we talked about that before the show, like, if you're running for school board in, say, even a, a biggest district as Lancaster, and Lancaster is one of the bigger districts in Erie County, you probably aren't spending more than 500 to to $1,000 on your campaign. It's a very low turnout, very low engagement type of race. Whereas even a town council race in Lancaster is fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000. If you are a, you know, you know insane right-wing person in your, the United States and you want to start making as, getting as much efficiency for your money as possible and getting people into these entry-level positions where you can launch them into the further careers. And, you know, as I heard early when I was worked in politics, like my first day in politics, early money is access money, late money is for good government. Mm. Giving people money for their first office that they ever run for, even if it's school board, gets you access to them for the rest of the year, their career. And that's what they're trying to do is, is get access by these people, get them early, get them on the school board, and then they're gonna, that, you know, they'll be your school, uh, a school board member that you hate one day, and then five years later, you're a town supervisor. Yeah, I mean, it seems really insidious, too, because mm-hmm. it, there's like this veneer of just like, you know, friendliness, like these are school board seats, this is about the kids, mm-hmm. but they're coming in with like a really packed, really scary agenda right. that they're ready to like push through as soon as they're in. 
And there's like the funding is there, like you're saying. Yeah. And school board seats are also nonpartisan. Right. So like there's this mm-hmm. guise of like, I'm just trying to do what's right for the children. Right, right. Yeah. School. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That, that's a huge point like that to bring up uh, India. Like that, mm-hmm. they, they, it is a nonpartisan election. So you don't run on party lines. Um, and, you know, but if you're interested, like, you know, these people are also being supported by like Robbie De Niro and like Western New York students first and like Stefan Mahalo. If you're wondering exactly what kind of people oh, that they're, they're swimming yeah. with. Yeah. And like they sort of present. So I wasn't really familiar with them until today when mm-hmm. I did some like furious Googling before coming here, but they really present themselves as like a grassroots organization. Yeah. And then you peel back that top layer and there's like a whole infrastructure mm-hmm. propping them up with tons of money and a lot of big names. Yep. Speaking of big names. Uh, it was. It was as I. I know all of. I've us got in, a small name. All of us in this room. Slomiani is a long. Name. Oh well, that name. Yeah. Sure. Uh, right, yeah. uh, uh, all of us in this room, I'm sure, could not take our eyes off the NFL draft this weekend. Oh, I couldn't. Couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, and uh, the Bills drafted some big dummy. They drafted a, a couple of guys. Were they like six or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's the guy from Roadhouse, right? Yeah. Yep. Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. What, <laughs> 100% sounds like somebody from Roadhouse. Like, <laughs> well, uh, if I need a bounce, if he needs some side money, right. I'll hire him as a bouncer right. for the snake pit. I think in, in Roadhouse they call them coolers. Oh, cooler. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh. uh, yeah, Dalton Kincaid, uh, who's, uh, the, the, when I Googled him, the first picture I found of him was wearing a, like a giant oversized cowboy hat. Does he know karate? I don't, I don't know what they do in Utah. We'll have to have him on the pod. Right, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have him on the pod. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, not for football questions. No, yeah, explicitly not football questions. <laughs> um, we'll ask him about the school board races. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he has lots to say. <laughs> right, yeah, it's, it's, that's why he he was actually doing a lot of homework before he got drafted by the Bills. He was like, "Wow, I, I hope I go to Buffalo. I can't wait to to talk about school board races." So I guess he's a hot shit tight end, gonna yeah. help Josh Allen out. Yep. All right, good draft. I think overall, good vibes out there in the Twitterverse about. Brandon Bean's draft this year. I mean, my my question is okay. So we we know he can catch. Like like, what is his energy going to be like with a person like Josh Allen? Mm-hmm. And I'm always concerned when what's that guy's name on the the sports podcast? Um, Henry Kissinger. No, <laughs> Jerry Sullivan. He does it with sh- no. He does it with Shannon Sharp. Oh uh, oh, Skip Bayless. Yeah. Any anytime yeah. Skip Bayless says a person yeah. is good. Yeah. I'm like, although that that was actually I don't really trust his judgment. That was my favorite thing about the Bills drafting him is that like because he was openly saying like he hopes that like uh, Dalton Kincaid fell to the Cowboys so his favorite team the Cowboys could draft him. Yeah. And the Bills trolled Skip Bayless after they drafted <laughs> Dalton Kincaid. That's awesome. Because yeah, Skip Bayless is like one of the worst people alive. Oh my god, he's terrible. Him and Tucker Carlson. Right. Yeah. I, I don't like, understand how. I put them all in the same little bucket I, and send them over Niagara Falls. I don't understand how Skip Bayless and his brother Rick Bayless could come from like the same family. Rick Bayless. Rick Bayless is awesome. Yeah. Wait, the chef guy? Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, 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 they're brothers. Polar opposites. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I have siblings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're quite questionable. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, Dalton Kincaid, uh, welcome to Buffalo. Although, uh, like most of the Bills will probably live in like East Aurora. Listen, catch the balls, Dalton, and we will grow to love you. Yeah. <laughs> just just do your job. Right. Just just keep your head down. Don't say anything negative about the quality of the women here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. Just, 
Just like mum's the word. Blue don't, cheese with your wings. Right. Don't go eat wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. Do Find that. a local spot. <laughs> right. You you'll can't. Be, you'll, you'll be fine. You can't talk smack about Applebee's. I don't think we care about that. Right. Support your local establishment. Yes. Yeah, we right. hate chain restaurants right. in Buffalo. Right. Yeah. Listen, Dalton. If you need a PR representative, <laughs> I'm your girl. Right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it for less than the seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for a feasibility study. Where is welcome committee? Right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, no, just just be just be a giant human being and and get be good at, at catching footballs and people will love you here. <laughs> Basically. So uh, I wish I could catch a football. I might I might have done better. <laughs> all right, uh, uh, that's what we got this week. Uh, India, thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Cheryl, thanks so much for joining oh, us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Snake, you and I will try to do it better next week. Yep, signing off. All right, thanks, guys.